Developing the Leader Within is a podcast that focuses on leadership, management, and career development. We nosedive into the areas that are holding you back from your full potential. Let us begin. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Developing the Leader Within podcast. I'm Enrique, your host. And as you can see by the by the picture, I have Mick Pond 13, Mike Stevens with me. We're celebrating the Navy birthday, uh, a couple of birthdays, actually, this week <laughs> coming up. And uh, we're so excited to have you, Mick Pond, today to discuss leadership uh, as a whole. Uh, but more importantly, as we celebrate the Navy's birthday and we come to a another milestone, another year of great service out in the sea. And with your lead at the Navy League, we want to talk about that also. But first of all, thank you for being with us today. Tell us a little bit about you. I know the world kind of knows you already, but uh, my listeners may not. So go ahead. No, thanks, Enrique. And, uh, you know, thanks for all the good work that you do the time that you devote to uh, developing the Leader Within podcast. Um, I, kn- I know this is a passion of yours, and it's a desire of yours to, to make a difference. And helping people to develop themselves as leaders is such an important thing. So thank you for the opportunity to be on your podcast today, and thank you for what you do. And I look forward to you know the next few minutes with you at least. A um, little bit about myself, and, uh, you know, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version because I could go down the rabbit hole on this. Um, but, you know, look, I'm, I joined the Navy in 1983, uh, grew up in a small town in western Montana. I grew up working, you know, working hard like, uh, like a lot of folks do in that neck of the woods and other parts of the country, uh, working on cattle ranches and farms and doing, you know, work in a sawmill. My dad owned a sawmill when I was a kid. My family are, you know, loggers, farmers, ranchers, etc. And so I developed a strong work ethic. Uh, you know, I went to a small school, but a, a really good school in the sense that it was a lot of team, a lot of team spirit, camaraderie, um, enjoyed sports like uh, so many others do. And when it got, you know, when I got to the point where I was going to graduate from high school, you know, my father really encouraged me not to stay in Montana and do the same type of work he did because he felt like um, there wasn't a lot of longevity or long-term opportunity, you know, doing that kind of work. It's a good environment to grow up in. It's a tough environment to stay in over an extended period of time. So um, I made the decision to, to enlist in the United States Navy. And so uh, June 2nd of 1983, I shipped off to a basic training in San Diego, California, and um, the rest of it is history, as they say. And so here we are today. The Navy has provided me with beyond wonderful opportunities. Um, the things that I'm doing today are in large part, if not entirely, because of the opportunities the Navy provided me. And the Navy also provided me an opportunity to meet and marry the love of my life, Teresa. And, uh, you know, one, of course, want to give her a shout out and, and thank her for all the amazing things that she's done to support me over the years. And I can only hope I've reciprocated that back in some, in some way, somehow. So thank you for allowing me to share just, you know, a snapshot of, uh, of who I am, a little bit about my background. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, I've I've seen, I know a little bit more about your story than you shared there, and that's okay. But let me tell you, uh, you mentioned Teresa, and so I want to also thank her because had she not been around and encouraged you, I know the leadership uh, staircase that you climbed and, and all the positions that you were serving in would not be uh, there. So thank her. Talking about leadership, you know, you, you, you had a great upbringing, a hard but great upbringing that taught you a lot of values. You, you enlisted in the Navy. Uh, you had several jobs throughout, uh, throughout that, and you were able to capitalize on this thing we call leadership. You know, a lot of grace, you know, I know very well that as I was growing up as a leader, there was a lot of godly grace on my part to get me in positions where I would meet that opportunity. Uh, you have to be prepared, right? But you meet that opportunity. So in terms of leadership, and we all have our flavor of the definition of leadership, but what would you define leadership as? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Enrique. Um, thank you for asking it. You know, I, I will say that everybody, everybody has the opportunity to be a leader. It doesn't matter what your station in life is. You know, in the military, we look at a rank structure. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're an E1 or an O10 um, and, or anything in between. We all have an opportunity to choose to be a leader. The, really, the best definition of leadership that I've ever come across uh, comes from one of my favorite all-time authors. Uh, and that author is John C. Maxwell. And he's written a series of really wonderful leadership books. I would encourage any of our listeners to explore those books. Um, and he says in his book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, that leadership is about influence. Nothing more, nothing less. You know, that influence can either be a positive influence or unfortunately at times it can be a negative influence. But it's about influencing people, you know, in a positive way. It's about influencing people to, to do or to accomplish a thing um, that needs to be done or that you would like to have done. You know, I think the art of that would be for them to do that, not because you're telling them to do that, but because they want to do that. And they want to do that largely because they respect who you are or who the people are around them that are asking for that thing to be done. You know, as an example, I use that as an example. So how we, you know, how we carry ourselves, how we talk to people, how we do our own work day to day, consistently, over time. Um, and that, you know, we will use the, the term, you know, rubbing off on people in the right way, right? Influencing them. You know, and throughout history, we can all think of people who have been positive influences on ourselves, on our country, on, our, on the world. And likewise, we can think of people who haven't been positive influences, but they still manage to motivate and get people to do a thing. So that, that definition of leadership is about influence. We should confuse the word leadership always with goodness, right? Because there are people that lead organizations or lead groups of people or have lead, led countries to do things nefariously, right? And then likewise, I should say, you know, on the flip side of that, um, there's people that have influenced people to do great things, countries and 
organizations, etc. So I think the definition of leadership truly is one's ability to influence others. And there's so much that connects to that, of course. But if we were to pick a definition, that would be the one that I would choose. That's a great definition. And I'm a John Maxwell trained uh, coach, trainer, and leader so and speaker. So I, I understand that uh, full well. And a great recap to not only his book, but the, your thoughts on leadership. Now, you know, we're, we're celebrating several milestones this month, right? Navy birthday, your birthday, and <laughs> a list came out that I'm so fond of because you and I were both on a similar list at one point in time in our career. And that's the Chief Selects list uh, has just come out. Uh, first of all, congratulations to all of you that are on that list. It is a great milestone. You will never forget it. And the next six weeks are just going to be grand for the Navy. We enjoy the development of selectees. But given that list, given that selection, do you have any leadership, uh, I say advice, for those that are now in this uh, transitory uh, from E6 to E7, from first-class petty officer to chief? Well, yeah, thanks uh, again for the, for the great question, Enrique. Um, like you, I want to first take this opportunity to just congratulate all those chief selectees that are out there that were selected to become chief petty officers. I know that um, it's quite a process just going, you know, just to be selected uh, at the board level, but all the work and the sacrifice that, that they the sailors that they serve with and their families have made to get them to this particular point in time uh, should never be under underestimated or undervalued. Um, you know, I think we all have to realize that any success that we enjoy, you know, comes as a result of a lot of goodness that's happened around us. And we should cherish this moment, to, you know, be selected as chief petty officers but also reflect back on not only the work that they've done, you know, but the work that all the people around them, that the people around them have done to get them to that particular point in time. But uh, my hat is off to them, and I congratulate them again, and I congratulate their families and their friends on their selection. You know, it's not a date that you'll ever forget. I remember, you know, July of uh, 19... 95, when I received that phone call from my division chief and congratulating me, I think, you know, I think I was working a night shift or something to that effect. And so I was actually in my apartment and I think I was crashed out on my couch. I didn't have a cell phone, but I did have a landline. Um, the phone rings, I pick it up and, uh, you know, he congratulated me on being selected for chief and just the wave of emotions that swept over me is something I'll never forget. Um, it's almost surreal when you hear the words that, you know, congratulations, you've been selected as a chief petty officer. Um, little did I know the journey that would take me on. And, and, and I say that because all these new chief petty officers will have their own journey because this isn't the end of anything. This is definitely the beginning of something. 
I, and I, you know, I ask them to, and hopefully they do, embrace this opportunity, seize the moment, and uh, do everything that they can with it to, as we just talked about earlier, to be a positive influence and a leader for those that are around them that they serve with every day. Um, the piece of advice that I would offer them, Enrique, because there's so much to talk about, we could do a whole podcast or two just on this topic. And so I'll just, you know, I'll pick one of these things off of the virtual shelf and I'll share it with them and hopefully it has meaning to them. And uh, whether you're a chief petty officer or a, or a leader in any other profession, I think the definition, really the definition of a chief or the definition of a leader is someone that is or should be a quiet, humble servant leader. And I'd like to just explain briefly what in my own words, what a quiet, humble servant leader is. Um, so a quiet leader isn't somebody who doesn't communicate. We expect our leaders, our chief petty officers, to communicate to those that um, they're serving with, that they're leading, to be vocal, to, to communicate. Your, your sailors should never want for communications, right? But more so, let your actions speak for your words. We never, you know, we've heard about leaders that, you know, kind of fall into that category of, you know, do what I say, not what I do, right? And that's not what we want. We want, we want sailors to do what we do, right? And listen to what we say. It, it, that that's the you know the essence of what I, you know, interpret as a quiet leader, someone who lets their actions speak louder than their words. Right? And then to be a humble leader doesn't mean in no way, shape, or form does it mean to think less of yourself. It just means to think more of others. And we should always consider those that we are charged to lead, all those that we serve with before ourselves. Um, and then to be a servant leader is something that you know, I've definitely learned as I've had the opportunity to, to move up in leadership is that the more people that you lead, the more people you serve. And it's not them that serves you, right? It's you that serve them. Um, I think in, when we were talking the other day, I mentioned that, you know, sometimes we confuse leadership, seniority with privilege. And that's never should be the case. As a matter of fact, I'd say the more senior you become, the fewer privileges that you have, because you should be giving more of yourself and what you have to the people that you lead. And so I would you know, I would recommend to our chief petty officer audience and those others that are listening that as a leader, we should be a quiet, humble servant leader, right? Because you do you do those things and you do them well, right? That will, again, that will increase your own influence you know, towards them, helping you to be a more effective leader. So that would be Enrique. If you were to let me take one thing off that virtual shelf I mentioned and share with them today, that's that's what I would share with them. Well, that's uh, absolutely great advice. I know that it served me well. As I was uh, serving in the Navy, I was uh, similar to that type of leader that you um, 
you know, detailing there. And true enough, it will serve any other leader that chooses to go down that route. Undoubtedly, that definition of leadership is, is similar to now. I know you yourself are a man of faith. I am a man of faith. That is why it was so easy for us to probably incorporate that type of leadership. Uh, and we saw so much success from it. Um, how much and how important is, do you think, is faith in leadership? I think any any leader has to have something that they would consider to be their foundation of which to build their life and their leadership on. And that foundation needs to be anchored solidly to the ground. And for me, that anchor, that, anchor, that foundation is my faith. Um, I would say that if not everything, pretty close to everything that I do and think of as a leader and, and work towards to, to be a better leader is grounded in my faith and my relate in my relationship with Christ and and the and, and the words that are struck in that are struck in the Bible um, because that's the greatest leadership book that was ever written. Truth be told, you really don't need to go to any other book other than that book. You know, I, I would say that all the other books that I've read combined probably have offered me, you know, 20 to 30% of what I've learned as a leader and the rest of it has probably came out of scripture. So it's something to me that is fundamentally who I am and what I ground my leadership on. Um, And so you can't, and I won't ignore that. And when asked the question, it feels good to be able to share that. And I hope that, that others are able to have that same feeling and are able to ground their leadership in something as solid and as meaningful as my faith is to me. So thank you for asking that. Well, I, I know that, you know, without a doubt, most of the great foundational principles of leadership have been inspired by the Bible. So I understand that full well. Now, you know, we have a lot of successes in life. You definitely have had a lot of successes in life. Um, For the last three years, you've been leading the Navy League, which is I'm so happy about because, you know, I'm a Navy League member here in the Central Florida, and we'll share some of that information here shortly. But for the last three years, you've been at the helm of the Navy League. Now, you know, currently changed to CEO. You're leading a successful group there doing great things. Can you give me and us an example of how you're leading the headquarters staff at the Navy League? This is what I like about the podcast is they're real, right? As you're, you know, you're formulating your thoughts and trying to capture how you want to ask and answer questions, you know, podcasts good about kind of just bringing that sense of, of realism to the conversation. So thank you for the great question again. Um, you mentioned something, and I'll get to that question, but you mentioned something just before you led into that discussion, and you talked about um, success, right? And uh, 
for me, that's something that I've always kind of wrestled with, if you will, is um, how do you determine success specifically as a leader? How do you determine if you're being successful? Um, And I think that mostly it's in the eyes of the beholder. It's the people you lead. The people you lead, whether that you know is a large organization or a small group, whether it's in or out of military service, um, those people are the ones that get to and have the right to assess you and your leadership. Um, you know, there's 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 measurables uh, in you know I, I don't know if it's in leadership, but definitely in management. You know, you can measure if you're in sales, you can measure success by how much of a product you've sold. Uh, you can measure customer satisfaction through surveys. You know, there's those types of measures of success. You know, are those measures measures of success on a person's ability to manage an organization or to lead an organization? I think you can, an organization sometimes can be successful without good leadership because the product they have that they're delivering is easy to deliver um, or there's an appetite that people have for something specifically. And so business does well when they're in that space. Um, and so you, know, you can, you know, does that type of measure mean you're measuring the management ability or the leadership ability? I think leadership is a little more elusive than man. You can't measure leadership like you, you can measure management. And that's, you know, largely a person's opinion. And that opinion is going to be, how are you influencing them? How do they feel about being associated with you? What kind of character do you have? You know, how, how are you influencing the organization at large? You know, those sorts of things. So I would say that I've had some degree of management success and that I've been a part of organizations that have done well in a, in a way that you can measure, whether that's mission success, product success, customer success, those sorts of things. But as, as, I, as I mentioned, I'm, I wrestle a little bit with the success as a leader. Um, I'd like to believe I, I've had success as, as a leader. I'd like to believe that I've influenced people in a positive way. Um, but I'll leave, I'll leave that up to them to make that determination. So sorry to um, drone on about that particular part of your comment and question, but I thought it was important just to kind of throw that out there and let people think about it a little bit um, and how they feel they're doing as a leader and how they determine what that success is or isn't. So you asked about the Navy League. as an example, because we're both in the Navy League, you're a terrific uh, volunteer giving up your time for the Navy League, doing wonderful things for men and women of our sea services. Um, so we happen to have that affiliation as well as our affiliation. You know, we met while we were both in the Navy. And then here we are, you know, still affiliated in, in an organization. Now it's the Navy League. So I want to first, first I want to say the Navy League is, a, is an amazing and wonderful organization that's been around for, you know, since 1902, so nearly 120 years. It was formed to be able to educate and advocate the Ameri- and advocate 
for the sea services to Congress and the American people. And then later on, uh, you know, it also became an organization that supported the men and women and youth programs that are associated with the sea services. So it's a terrific organization, does amazing work. And I cannot say enough about our, our volunteers, our membership, and all that they do, giving up their time and oftentimes resources and money of their own to be able to carry out the mission of the Navy League. And, you know, we're structured in such a way as the most senior person in the Navy League, the national president of the Navy League, who's also the chair of our board, um, is a volunteer. And I've worked for three terrific volunteers, Alan Kaplan, Bill Stevenson, and now Dave Riley. Um, they serve a two-year term, and then they're surrounded by, you know, senior volunteer leadership and our executive committee and our board, and then, of course, all of our council presidents, region presidents, who are also members of the board, um, that just do great work. So the role that I have is the CEO of the Navy League, and that changed from executive director to CEO, as, as you know, Enrique, around the May time frame. Um, but my job is really the day-to-day business operations of the Navy League and, and leading the headquarters staff here at the Navy League building in Arlington, Virginia. We have about 30, we have 30, exactly 30 people on staff here at the Navy League building. And we're charged with, again, carrying out the business of the Navy League. And that business is primarily to support the members in the field. And there's much that goes into that. But when you're a small organization and, and, you know, the Navy League staff used to be bigger. At one time, it was at or near 60 people on the staff. Um, we're now at 30, and we've held steady at 30 for the last couple of years, and I don't anticipate us getting uh, much bigger, if at all, unless we start doing other things that you know, require additional people. Um, so you have to have an environment, and your leadership has to, I believe, um, be done in such a way that's the proper term or phrase be done in such a way that allows everybody in the organization to number one, be successful in their own right and to achieve the the mission of the headquarters team here with great effectiveness and great efficiency. And so how, how do we do that? How do we maximize that effectiveness, that efficiency how do you provide everybody with an opportunity to be successful? Because you can't make people successful. You just have to, you know, establish and maintain the conditions that allow them to be successful. And so there's a, there's a few key things that um, I think we've done here that set those conditions and provide those opportunities. And my staff here hears it from me all the time. So I use this phrase all the time. Um, we are an organization of independence and accountability, is what I say, that is built on a foundation of dignity, respect, and trust. Right? So what does it mean to be independent and accountable? So I'll use this as an example. We, When we give someone a task, and I'm, and I'm trying to simplify this 
so that I can understand it. <laughs> so when we give someone a task, we say, here's what needs to be done. And we give that task to the person that we believe has the skill sets that are necessary. And then we provide them with the time and the resources that are necessary and that we've all agreed upon. And then we, then we turn them loose to do that thing. And then at the supervisory level, whether that be a director or vice president or senior vice president of the organization or myself or our executive vice president, what we don't do is we don't look over their shoulder and essentially we don't micromanage that project. We're there if they need us. We pay enough attention so that they know that we're there. But we don't come in and ask them 100 questions. We don't tell them, don't do it this way, do it that way. Unless we see something that could be, you know, a fatal mistake. And I don't, when I say fatal mistake, I mean the loss of a lot, a lot of, you know, money. Or, you know, the damage, you know, I wouldn't say damaging equipment because we don't have really equipment other than printers and computers, right? But, you know, if you see something that's going to cost an organization a lot of money or that's going to hurt the reputation of the organization, that's fundamentally not going to, you know, allow the task to be completed, then you would intervene and kind of get them between the lines again, right? But the lines to this project are wide, and we let them use the entire lane, you know, line to line as they go down this. And one of the examples I, you know, like people like to say things like, um, you know, there's a there's a hundred ways to peel a potato, right? And our job isn't to tell them specifically how to peel that potato. It's their job to figure out how to do it in a way that works best for them. It meets the effectiveness and the efficiency that we seek, and ultimately the end product is produced. Right. So independence means we let them do their job. We don't look over their shoulder. We don't micromanage that. Even when it takes every fiber of our being to resist saying something, if it doesn't need to be said, don't say it. Because that undermines people's confidence in themselves. It makes them feel like they don't have our trust. And those things are important. You need to be confident in what you do and you need to know we trust you. But then the important part of that is the accountability piece, because you have to be accountable to yourself and to the team. And so if you know that you need help, you have to ask for that help. If you know there's a deadline, you got to work hard to meet that deadline. If you don't think you can meet that deadline, then you may need again to seek help to be able to accomplish that task at the, at the time that it's due and in the manner in which it needs to be done. Right? So there's a high degree of accountability. And all of that is wrapped in what I said earlier. It's about dignity and respect. It's how we treat one another, how we talk to each other, how we interact with one another. Right? It's about lifting people up, not pulling people down. It's not trying to make yourself look good on the backs of others. right? But that's, that servitude part that we talked about sometimes you may do something to help somebody and just never say anything about it because you want them to have the credit for that, right? And then there's that trust factor, right? And you have to have a high degree of trust in your people and they have to have a high degree of trust in you or none of this works. 
And the only way to build that trust is by doing the things that I just mentioned day in and day out and making sure that when it gets really hard, that you really resist the urge to take over a project or to push someone out of the way, right? Because you don't want that deadline to fail or whatever the case may be. You have to resist that urge so that they can see that you genuinely have that trust in them. And sometimes, frankly, I know I will, I will let somebody make a mistake as long as that mistake's not going to break anything. Let them make it because we all learn from our mistakes, right? Some people say, hey, I've learned more from my failures than I have from the things that I've gotten right. I know that's the case with me. So, you know, let let them learn if it needs to, if that mistake needs to be made. Because oftentimes they'll recognize it earlier and they'll make the course correction and they'll be, bam, we'll be right back on track. So there's so much more that we're doing here at the organization to create you know, this terrific work environment. That's one of the things is this independence, accountability, dignity, respect, and trust all kind of wrapped together. And it's proven itself through, our, through the measurements that I've shared with you. you know, we're, we're hovering at or around 90% retention as an organization, which is a historical high for the Navy League. And I think it, it, would, it would beat most averages in most, most industries. Um, despite the pandemic, the organization has been successful um, you know, in, in areas like we do the big you know, Sea Air Space Exposition every year here at Washington, D.C. area at the Gaylord uh, Convention Center. You know, we just had, I think, what would people would say the most successful Sea Air Space in the history of our organization. And that, that exposition goes back 55 years. You know, uh, those sorts of things. So there's many things that we can measure. Uh, and in the way we measure here mostly is we measure budgetary success and we measure time completion of projects and accuracy of projects and we can and we measure customer service. And for us customer service is our membership, our corporate sponsors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we're I you know I think we're doing well as a matter of fact I know we're doing very well in all three of those areas. And so that coupled with other things, I would say that the organization has been successful. I spoke quite a bit about that, and wasn't it wasn't meant to be talking about the Navy League, but more so this culture that we have of independence and accountability, dignity, respect, and trust, um, so that others could think about that and see if it's something that they have in their organization or something that they'd be interested in building into their organization. But anyways, I couldn't be more proud of the team and the work that they do. You know, this team is so good, they can make even somebody like me look good. And, <laughs> and that, that could be a heavy lift sometimes, I'll tell you. But I'm very proud of them, very proud of them. I'm definitely also very proud of Navy League. As you mentioned, I'm, I'm a membership director, military liaison here locally at the Central Florida Navy League, and I'm so happy to be part of that team doing great things as well. So there's a lot of success, a lot of great things that come about leadership, but there are some days that leadership is hard, <laughs> right? So what do you, what would you say the hardest thing um, about being a leader is? Well, I can't speak for everybody, but I will say 
I can speak for myself because this is the hardest thing for me about leadership. And, and Enrique, that's leading myself. Right? Um, I don't believe, personally, I don't believe you can truly lead anybody until you can first lead yourself. Because if you're not leading yourself, I don't see how it's possible to, as we've talked about a couple of times, to influence those around you to be their best self. I just don't know how that's possible because you might be able to fool yourself, but you can't fool other people. If you're not leading yourself, you're not. And people, I don't think anybody expects anybody else to be perfect, right? But if you're gonna, if you're gonna attach yourself to a leader, you want to know that that person is is working hard every day to be their best self and setting a good example and uh, and leading yourself to be that person. For me, uh, and maybe for others, it can be a challenge day in and day out. I try to break it down into some pillars. You know, I, I break the, the pillars. I break it down is, is physical, mental, moral, and spiritual fitness. I like to look at leadership kind of like uh, you know physical. Like we look at physical fitness. We train parts of the body to become strong. Running, walking, biking, lifting weights, swimming, etc. Right. So we figure out what things we need to do to have a strong and healthy body. And I look at leadership kind of in that same frame, that same framework, physical, mental, moral, and spiritual fitness. Um, I, in the spirit of time, I don't think I could get into each one of those because each one of those is a fairly lengthy discussion. But if anybody's interested, I, I wrote a paper one time just called Leadership Fitness and I share that oftentimes with new chief petty officers and, and other people that that um, I have this conversation with because it's not exactly what it sounds like when we talk about leadership fitness and we talk about physical fitness. You know, what does that mean to you as a leader? And it's not always just about being physically fit. It's about what that physical fitness does to your mind, how it improves your resiliency, it allows you to have a, a better chance of overcoming adversity, you know, sickness and health, those sorts of things. Um, you know, the, the mental piece of it for me is, at least for me, it's not about the psychology aspect of it, but it's about the learning aspect of it. It's about all, you know, reading and studying, you know, watching podcasts such as this. It's about always keeping an active mind, always trying to develop yourself mentally, stay sharp and, and be knowledgeable in the things that you do as a leader. Uh, you know, the, then you know, the moral aspect of leadership fitness is, simply put, is about doing the right thing. You know, being morally fit, doing the right thing, trying to do the right thing all the time, knowing that sometimes we'll fall short. And then lastly, you know, physical, you know, physical, mental, moral, and spiritual aspect of it. And we talked about that earlier in the podcast. And as a person of faith, I cannot, I, I cannot forget to exercise my faith or there is a significant part of me that would be missing in what I need to do to make myself the best leader that I can be. 
So to me, the hardest part about leading, being a leader is leading yourself. And so to, to help me do that, because I didn't want to get up every morning and just try to figure it out. Okay, what am I going to do today? Right? I wanted to have this roadmap that I could follow every day. You know, and I try to, every day I try to exercise one of those elements that I just mentioned. And I wish I could say that I'm really good at it every day, but there are days when I, I fail in different aspects of that. But I will say this, I try, just like you do and just like many others do. And when I fail, I don't let that tear me down. I actually use that almost, you know, it's like sometimes you break a bone and that bone heals and you're stronger. That bone is stronger than when you broke it. And sometimes when when I break, um, I just use that opportunity to get stronger and become better at that, you know, at that particular facet of being a leader. So leading leading myself, and I think others would probably say they struggle with the same thing. So I wanted to share that with you, with you, Enrique, and the listeners. Hopefully, there's a nugget there that somebody can take away from. And um, if someone is interested in that paper, I can. You could, they could contact me, and we'll, you know, my address is on the Navy League website, <laughs> and I could I can get them, you know, that paper, and even we could even have that conversation if they'd be interested. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. You know, know thyself and lead thyself is going to allow you to become a great leader. Uh, you'll have a lot other things that you'll have to add to that list, but that definitely is the starting point. And so, you know, anybody listening that will like that, will you know, you can contact any one of us, but I'll make sure to have that to make it available to everyone and uh, get that into your hands because it is a wonderful piece uh, written by Mick Pond. Uh, Mick Pond, thank you so much. Uh, and, and we're going to do a couple of things here now. We're celebrating the Navy's birthday. We're talking about leadership. I, I said that there's an exciting six weeks ahead for a lot of chiefs selectees uh, for the next six weeks. I just want to let know let the selectees know that for the next six weeks, if you listen to the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, there is a, I'm tallying up all the selectees and every week I'm selecting one that's going to get a wonderful, uh, I'd say a little token of my appreciation as a chief uh, to a future chief uh, and, so I'll, I'll be bringing up those details here throughout the week, uh, here this next week. Uh, but listen, subscribe, and we'll get you that. Uh, for the Navy, celebrating his birthday. I know you're celebrating your birthday. My son is celebrating his birthday. It's a, a glorious week to be living in. Uh, but I want to afford you an opportunity, if you have any last comments uh, that you would like to close out with, and then we'll finish this thing out. Thank you, Enrique. I want to, for sure, I want to say thank you for providing this opportunity and allowing me to share a few words with you and your listeners today. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a man that owes a, a debt of gratitude to more people than I can name in, you know, in an hour or two. Um, any success that I've enjoyed, if I've enjoyed any success, has been because I've just had amazing people around me my whole life. 
whether that was my father, my brother, my grandmother, you know, and of course, you know, my wife, Teresa, who's been a rock for me and uh, just been there through thick and thin. And, you know, I love her dearly and I thank her for everything. Um, and all the sailors that I served with over my you know, 33 year career, whether I served with them directly or indirectly, they all had a part in my life in one way or another. Um, and then, you know, my life was forever changed, to be you know, completely honest, when I had the opportunity to serve as a National Coast of the Navy. And, you know, I owe the a debt of gratitude to Admiral Harvey for, you know, putting me in for that position. And then Admiral Greenard, who selected me, and then Admiral Richardson, who kept me on. You know, and Admiral Greenard and Richardson are two people that I still am close with today. Or Admiral, sorry, Admiral Harvey and Admiral Richardson are two people I'm very close with today, and we work together. And Admiral Greenard and I have remained good friends as well. And I say Admiral Richardson and Harvey because we all are in the Navy League together. We work on projects. But, uh, you know, my time with Admiral Greenard was amazing. Um, and so, you know, those are just um, those kind of the wave tops, if you will. And then lastly, like right now, I mean, I owe so much to the Navy League leadership and the Navy League staff that's here and all of our volunteers, because without them, this opportunity that I've been presented with to be the CEO of the organization wouldn't mean anything. Um, and it's all their work that makes the organization the organization that it is. So I just wanted to take that, that opportunity to thank those people. And I know I've forgotten some folks, and, uh, and I certainly apologize for that, but you know, that's what comes to the very forefront of my mind. And then one more time, I'll thank you, Enrique. You know, it's a, I'm, glad, I'm glad we know each other, and I'm glad that you're the person that you are, because I know you're, you've got a good heart, um, that you're a good and decent person. There's nobody I know that knows you that doesn't say the same thing. And that, you know, your podcast is something that matters because you're out there doing everything that you can, given everything that you have at your disposal to help others be successful And developing the leader with, within podcast is uh, something very special. And you should feel good about that. And, and I hope your audience continues to grow and who knows, you know, one day you might be, you know, have a million listeners, two million listeners, right. That would be wonderful. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. From your your mouth to God's ears, right? So I appreciate that. Um, and no, I, I'm I'm fully blessed to have uh, just met so many wonderful leaders throughout the Navy. Uh, you know, I was just talking with uh, Brian, uh, uh, somebody we both know. Uh, yesterday, uh, you know, my my life in the Navy is is it's a book. It's it's strictly a book because of all the uh, blessings to have met. Uh, I know most of all the McPons right now, but uh, it's it's because, of, you know, hey, I'm just going to say God's blessing upon my life. Uh, so thank you so much, McPon, for taking this time. For folks that are listening, there's a lot of things coming up. Uh, you know, this is just the start. October is really when we celebrate, you know, a lot of things. But uh, keep a listen, subscribe, and as we like to end this show, success to you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'd love to hear suggestions for our future shows or any remarks you may have that will help us improve. Until then, success to you.